exegesis. Hello, and welcome to Countdown to Exegesis. It's a special episode today where we discuss the music of the man who played Tickles in Steven Spielberg's 1991 maritime romp, Hook, Mr. David Crosby, who died last week. Ollie, would you like to tell the folks at home what your relationship with David Crosby is? Well, it's tricky, isn't it? Because uh, my relationship with David Crosby didn't exist before you started mentioning him every sort of three and a half minutes yeah. in the course of this podcast. So that really introduced me to, to the Crosmeister. Um, and, you know, I do have a history of... You've you've told stories of, of, of Cros, yeah. and I've, I've often reacted negatively. Uh, but I am genuinely... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, looking forward to paying tribute to the man and hopefully learning a little bit more about him and you know the many sides of of uh, of You know, yeah. Do you want to hear his best tweet? Yes. If one of you can reach Taylor Swift, I want very badly to speak with her. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, is that him, no context? Is that him genuinely wanting to speak to Taylor Swift, or is he like? I think Taylor Swift is a sexy young lady. <laughs> I don't know. Or possibly both. <laughs> well, this is one of the many sides of Cros which we could talk about. There's many uh, alleys and corridors through which you can approach Cros. But one of them mm. is the fact that he was a notorious uh, philanderer in the 60s and 70s. Mm. There's that amazing anecdote of uh, Graham Nash walking past the uh, dressing room door and Cros was, you know, like being blown by somebody i mean mm. that doesn't sound <laughs> now i repeat it doesn't sound like a great anecdote does it well no but, it, but it, the, i think the part you're missing is that nasho said uh something along the lines of oh he's getting oh there he goes getting it. blown again it. yeah yeah, yeah. You, you all, I, all i remember <laughs> it wasn't was, yeah that that was that kind of gave it meat as an anecdote <laughs> it wasn't just like <laughs> did you know david crosby once got a blow job <laughs> Not just one. He was yeah. he, well. That exactly. It, it was so normalised in um, CSNV yeah. that uh, you know um, it was like, oh, there he goes again, old cross. Exactly, exactly. Thank you for with the fellatio. Thank you for rescuing yeah. that that anecdote. Um, but what's interesting is that he he sort of reformed himself in the uh, as an old man. So now he's this wizened old. What well, was dead as he is. He he sort of reformed himself as this kind of like Santa Claus figure with the twinkly eyes and the big white moustache. Um, mm. And I was listening to a live track today from like 2017 or something. And he introduces it saying like, this song is an apology from all men to all women. Because, you know, we guys, we just look at the wrapping paper, not the gift. And all this kind of like, you know, he's like presenting himself as a sort of wise old bird who uh, mm. isn't just a dicking machine anymore? Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I can. It's got it's got noble aims that introduction. But, <laughs> yeah. um, as as much as I respect the man in in death, mm. uh, Crosby did not speak for all men. <laughs> no, no. I wish he did speak for me, but um... <laughs> not my uh, not my mouthpiece. Yeah. Well, nobody could tell um, that that Nash anecdote about you or I. I assume. Uh, well, I mean, it would. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it would have quite the same effects. <laughs> it would be more like. Yeah. It would be more like they can't show their faces in public anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I was walking. I was walking past Andrew's room and I saw him getting a, getting a blowjob. It was horrible. <laughs> That's why he hasn't been to the pub. Yeah, for, yeah. For four weeks, and he looked so pleased yeah. with himself. That was the worst bit. <laughs> One day, these questions will be answered in a splendid exegesis. Would you like some uh, some cross facts? Well, I would just like to point out because, as you might yeah. have seen, I have a homemade sausage roll and a, a a small glass of port. Very nice. And in in the UK, if one is if one has a homemade sausage roll and a small glass of port. You know, you'd assume there's a big celebration mm. going on. Yeah. I just want to assure you that I'm it's purely by chance. Uh, I'm not. I'm not celebrating the loss of Cross. <laughs> I 
I, uh, I, 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 I found some cheap sausage meat and I made some sausage rolls. How is the sausage roll? The sausage roll, I haven't, I haven't actually tried it yet. I'm, I'm waiting for a break in a conversation where I can sort of make pastry noises. Well, I think just so that, just so that I know that you are focused 100% on the musical Titan, the fallen Titan, David Crosby. Let's get the let's get the sausage roll out of the way. So can you just can you give it a bite and just tell the folks at home what it's like? Uh, can I mean yeah? As, uh, we'll have to cut out the noises. Well, we'll I'm not we, we can we can put maybe we could put um, like a short Bird segment song. from one of the more reflective David Crosby numbers, just mm. to conceal mm-hmm. the, the the mouth. <laughs> And as I'm munching, mm-hmm. the sounds of laughing by David Crosby. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's an extremely good sausage roll. Mm. I, uh, I added a caramelised onion chutney and a kind of pocket. Mm-hmm. I might have done it a little bit with the chutney, but no, very good. Yeah. Very pleased with that. Okay, great. And a glass of port as well. Yeah. Sausage rolls, they're not really an American thing, aren't they? They like they don't really have sausage do they rolls. Not, do they not have something that is basically a sausage roll, but is called something else? A, a corn, a corn dog is a little like a sausage roll, isn't it? I don't know, what a, cor- I don't a corn, know what a corn dog is. It's a sausage in a kind of uh, corn batter. <laughs> right. Yeah, lovely. So from from corn dogs to horn dogs, David Crosby, he loved to fuck. Um, do you want some cross facts? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, number one, he inspired Dennis Hopper's character Billy in the film Easy Rider. Have you seen Easy Rider? Cool. No. Okay. That was a dead end. Number two, I think you'll like this one. In 2010, Vatican newspaper L'Osservatore Romano published its top ten albums. At number two was David Crosby's 1970 debut, If I Could Only Remember My Name, and at number five was The Nightfly. By old shark Never. Yeah. You're making this up. I'm not. I'm not. Up. Honestly, it's true. Who? Who? What committee voted on this? A, a very holy committee. He 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 developed a cannabis brand. So I would say that David Crosby is an excellent advert for cannabis. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because he claims that he wrote. Explain. <laughs> Well, because stoners, they tend to be forgetful, slow, tedious people. Um, whereas David Crosby, he claims that he wrote all of his hits while uh, baking. Um, mm. And also, in launching his brand, he talks about the medicinal uh, values. So, mm. you know, so yeah, I think he's, he's, he's a good spokesman for the, the, the herb. What do you think his uh, What do you think his cannabis brand was called? I think it was called uh, C S No Y. <laughs> no, it was called Mighty Cross. Ah, I don't know. I don't cool. actually know whether it got roll, rolled out. Very nice. Thanks. But uh, is 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 Mighty Cross a, a reference to something? Sorry. It was his nickname. Uh, I think he probably gave it to himself. Uh-huh. I don't uh-huh. think you know. It's like if you said, "Oh yeah, my nickname is Mighty Pipes." I'd be like, "Yeah, whatever." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but it, again, he gets he could get away with it because he did have a he did have a presence of character. He did have a might. He did. He did. And it lives on. I couldn't. Yeah, I definitely couldn't walk up and be like, "Hey, I'm." Uh, um, they call me Mighty Pipes. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you want a final cross fact? Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's round this off. Yeah. Um, in 1970, Bob Dylan was given an honorary degree by Princeton University. How he... how how have you done? How have you pulled the rug out and started talking about Bob Dylan? This is a cross fact. Just just be- just bear okay. with me. Just bear with me. Okay. So in 1970, okay, I just. I... Suspicious. Bob Dylan received an honorary degree from Princeton University, which he wrote about in his song "Day of the Locust," hmm. um, and he he convinced David Crosby to go with him to the ceremony. Dylan writes about this in in his his memoir Chronicles, and he describes Crosby as follows. I think you're going to enjoy this, Ollie. Crosby was a colourful and unpredictable character, 
wore a Mandrake the Magician cape, didn't get along with too many people and had a beautiful voice, an architect of harmony. He was tottering on the brink of death even then (laughs) and could freak out a whole city block all by himself, but I liked him a lot. (laughs) He could freak out a whole city block (laughs) all by himself? Yeah. Like, what is he alluding to? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I guess if Cross turns up with a big big moustache and a cape, you know, yeah. in, uh, in, well, in Princeton University. I think people have said, you know, he, had a, he did have an enormous, enormous um, presence. Yeah. You know, like, like Mick Fleetwood. I don't know why I, I, don't know why I brought it, Mick Fleetwood. Does Mick Fleetwood have no a relation to the story. Does he have a massive presence? People have said that about, well, he's very tall for one, but people have said, and he's got those big starey eyes. I think That's people true, have just yeah, said, yeah, yeah. When he enters a room, you kind of know. And, you know, I think it's, I think it's the same with Cros. So, as the Cross fan out of the two of us, I have made a short playlist of songs spanning the Mighty Cross's career, um, which Ollie is going to be listening to for the first time. And listeners, if you would like to join on this journey, then uh, you're very welcome. Link in the description. Link in the say. description. Probably. So the first tune that I picked is Triad, which was a David Crosby composition that he wrote for the Birds. I always forget he was in the birds. He was in the birds. Well, he was. He wasn't that. He wasn't that important. Like, don't tell. Don't don't oh. don't say it. Don't tell anyone, because we're we're meant to we're meant to be like, oh, Cros was like the you know, mm. the sort of spirit animal mm. of of the birds. He wrote some good tunes for the birds for sure, uh, mm. but they're they're few and far between. And Triad, which in my in my opinion is one of the very best ones, um, was never released because. Um, <laughs> Because he got fired, mm-hmm. um, and partly because of this song. So Chris Hillman and Roger McGuinn oh, booted wow. him out. Um, McGuinn called it a freak out orgy tune, <laughs> but he didn't mean right. it. He didn't mean it in a complimentary way. Well, he should choose his words carefully because anyone in the sixties, <laughs> I assume, would take that in a positive way. Yeah, yeah. But isn't this the thing? Or maybe this is the thing, Ollie. Is that so? This is a song about basically trying to start a menage a trois. Okay. Um, a, a triad, and I suppose it's he's he's calling it triad because it's like he thinks that this menage a trois will have all the all the harmony of a musical triad. You know, it doesn't have to be discordant; it can be a wonderful harmonious thing. Maybe that was the real taboo. You know, oh, that's what a triad is, isn't it? It's a musical thing. Well, it's also a a, a, a three a three pronger. <laughs> yeah, but I bet you know. You no, know, you see, you, you you you're scratching beneath the surface. This is what. Countdown to exegesis is all about. (laughs) Shall we listen to Triad? Yes, let's listen to Triad. This book is continued on the other side of the cassette. Nice song. It's good, isn't it? Do you know? It's a nice song. What do you think of Crosby's uh, vocal performance? I think uh, I I think it's um, raw. Mm -hmm. He sounds passionate about. Yeah. um, I've got. I mean, I've got the lyrics up. Yeah. uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a very much an ode to uh, non-traditional shagging, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Or or, or non-traditional love doesn't really mention. It doesn't mention the shagging. He he alludes quite heavily to uh, to shagging. I think his voice alludes to shagging because <laughs> mm. there's a lot yeah. of, a lot of quavering and uh, and and cooing. <laughs> you know, this is this is a side of Crosby that essentially disappears. When he so mm. Crosby disappears for uh, the eighties, basically in the seventies, it's him and Graham Nash and bits of CSN. In the eighties, he's he's seems to just completely lose track, and then he returns in the noughties and has this spate of mm. albums. But there's no uh, sort of um, th- this is a, pr- a provocative song, isn't it? It's 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 meant to. I, c- I can imagine. I can meant- imagine it was particularly provocative at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think he was seen as the, you know, the, the cape wearing libertine. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I can, I can see how he's, how he's weaving that image (laughs) for himself with with lyrics like this. Yeah. And the capes. Uh, 
I mean, it's it's not too. I mean, it's it's not too bad, is it? It's not too close to the bone. I think it's fine. I'm, I'm all for it. It's, it's breaking. <laughs> it's breaking social norms a little bit. Yeah, there are whiffs of sort of eau de creep in there. Yeah. Um, for instance, uh, your eyes alive, your mind still growing. Yeah, that that is a little. Uh, that's a little sort of Donald Fagan, isn't it? Sure. Uh, what else? So you see, what we can do is to try something new. <laughs> I guess the I guess the the song hinges on our trust that the women did want to sleep with David Crosby. I I, I guess I guess the problem mm. is that uh, David Crosby is playing this wise old sage who's like, it's fine to shag two people at once. Yeah, right, and. He paints it as a kind of like the the girl is afraid, the the ghost of their mom, yeah, her mother is is standing behind them, and everything and she learns is glory. Yeah, and it's yeah, <laughs> um, but, but you know it's painted as kind of like this is society looks down on this. We you know we we we're, we're going to feel like pariahs if we do something like this, and not that like they just might not be up for it <laughs> yeah. in like a sexual way. <laughs> Sure, but like I say, you have to, yeah, it, for it not to be creepy, you, you have to trust that mm-hmm. these women wanted to be with Cros, but Cros yeah. was was sleeping with them both, and he's like, "Come on, girls." I mean, it does it does sound bad, doesn't it? When you sort of um, let's save time, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Society wants us to. We need to break down barriers <laughs> with our fruity, yeah. our fruity menage a trois. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, I, I think it's harsh to throw him out with the birds for it, though. Um, I, th- I think that was the the tip of the iceberg. I don't think that was. Should it be on a? Should it have been on the album? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I love it. I think it's. Really, I like I, how you've chosen. I see what you've done here. I hope it continues in this vein. You've painted a picture of um, of of young Cross. Yes, haven't you? I have. Yeah. Thank you for noticing that. This is, this is most. This is representative of of like you say the libertine. The rake, Cross, the cab, yeah, the rake, yeah, yeah, the bounder, the the Earl of Rochester. So Crosby gets thrown out of the birds. He gets thrown out on his ear um, because he was such a prick, and also because he was propounding <laughs> alternative forms of love. Uh, mm. He then falls in with uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. I mean, I, why, I really, I, I really don't want to like push you too far into giving a biography of CSNY. Yeah, but but were they a group before Crosby fell in, or or uh, I think did it all coalesce around Cros? Like, what what's the? I think it. I think I would need to check this. I think it was Crosby and Nash, um, mm. and then and then Stills, and then and Young was always kind of like on the fringe. The other one. Yeah, yeah, and he was his heart was never really in it, I, I believe. Um, mm. I'm fairly sure. I mean, I don't believe a word any of them say about anything because they all just seem like rampant egomaniacs. But in <laughs> Graham Nash's autobiography, which for, for some reason I have a copy of, he tells he tells these like incredibly self serving stories about him and him and Cros at Joni Mitchell's house. No, no. It was it was Nash and Stills and then and then no oh fucking hell oh god this is a this is, I'm witnessing a breakdown <laughs> in progress well it's because my sort of carefully constructed expert persona is just like <laughs> I'm hey, wait it was it was Joni Mitchell and a <laughs> wandering accordion accordion player yeah anyway it was the story that Graham Nash tells all of this information is probably available on Wikipedia but. From what I've salvaged from my mind, Crosby and Stills were singing together. Mm. And because Stills and Young had been in Buffalo Springfield, Nash had been in the Hollies. Mm. Nash left the Hollies, Mm. moved to LA, became friends with Stills. No. (laughs) Oh, God. Just let it die. (laughs) (laughs) It was a noble effort. You tried your best. Oh, God. I've never felt more humiliated. <laughs> anyway, so CSNY happens. CSNY happens. And what's what's next? So, Sorry. 
Next is one of David Crosby's contributions to Deja Vu by CSNY. So this this Cros contribution is called Almost Cut My Hair. Mm. Let's, uh, let's fire it up. I'm intrigued. This book is continued on the next cassette. I mean, that whole song is just kind of adorable, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Like... What's the, what's the, I mean, the lyrics, uh, uh, I've, got, I've got them up on, the, mm. on Genius. Yeah. It, it's basically like, I almost I almost thought about cutting my hair. Basically, that's what it boils down yeah. to. Like, and, and the metaphor being like, I nearly lost my you know, 60s spirit. Yeah, he nearly I became guess. a straight. He nearly gave in to the, the, the forces of the establishment. And this is, uh, this is what, like early 70s now, are we? Was this 69? Where where are we? This is 69. Yeah. I just... It's just nice. It's just sweet that it, it meant... So, like, his hair meant so much Oh, no, no, no. You're, you're, you're way off the mark here. It did mean, it did mean something, man. Well, yeah, <laughs> it I meant see, it, you know, societally speak. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, looking back... It was a big deal. Glass darkly, it's... It... it it just seems so delightfully sixties and and short sighted. You see, I, I'm I'm not with you here at all. But, but the, like his hair, <laughs> fucking means something. And it, yeah, I get that it did it to him. It did, and to, you know, and to society. But, you know, it feels like he kind of set out. It's a big song. Yeah, yeah. it's a big song, <laughs> big sound. Um, it feels like he set out to write a masterpiece about his hair. <laughs> <laughs> No, you're you're, you're totally you're, you're so <laughs> off base here. His his hair is is the hippie dream. Mm. It's a it's his a... hair specifically. <laughs> yeah, it was a good head of hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, I mean, can I can I put my cards on the table? So I was a long haired mm. teenager, um, long before I was a long haired man. Mm. And when I was a teenager, I used to get teased for having long hair, as you would. Mm-hmm. And I used to listen to this song, and it made me feel very happy because yeah, I was oh, like, well, "That's nice." You know, which is, I realise now that the forces ranged against Andrew Souter in Wolverhampton, Southwest Wolverhampton, in the early noughties were far, far less force than those ranged against yeah. the hippie movement. For yeah. instance, the, the police weren't coming around my house thinking that I was some sort of homosexual communist. Mm-hmm. You know, not that you know, but of. nevertheless, Crosby and Easy Rider and Hendrix and all this stuff—it made it made me uh, feel a little less alone. Yeah, and, and you know, and your hair meant a lot to you, and you'd obviously picked up a bit of that sixties countercultural spirit. I, <laughs> I'm not. I'm genuinely not being um, glib. Right? Oh, really? Okay. The, no. Okay. So for everything I said, I think we're saying the same thing. We're just coming at it from different angles. Mm. What you, my takeaway from that is like, like he like was really, like he lived the sixties, didn't he? Like I think that so, was, yeah. yeah, that was everything to him. The long hair and the, the triads and and the cape yeah. and you know all the rest of it. They were his life. Mm. You know, he was really passionate about it. Uh, maybe it always was, you know. Maybe, maybe he carried that with him mm. through uh, old age. Well, we'll see. We'll see as we continue yeah. our journey. Yes. Um, very clever. <laughs> thank you. I, f- I feel like I'm growing up with Cros here, and and that journey is only going to continue. So Crosby, mm. Stills, Nash and Young falls apart. Um, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of fighting. Uh, big egos, four cocks fighting, blah blah blah, hmm. and they all they ah. all splinter and do their own solo albums. Graham Nash does some horseshit. Stephen Stills does an album that I haven't heard. Uh, Neil Young <laughs> begins to become really really good, and and mm. David Crosby, who to me is the hero of this moment of collapse. Yeah, um, sure, the, the sort of antihero. The the antihero. He does. If I could only remember my name, nineteen seventy, his debut solo album um and yeah this song is called laughing 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 this book is continued on the other side of the cassette jerry garcia on uh, pedal steel guitar there taking us into the stratosphere ollie what did you make of laughing oh i want before i comment i, mm. I want you to kind of sum up what's happening in that song um 
So I, I think it's it's a song about uh, believing that you found the answers uh, in a spiritual sense, but realizing that you were you were mistaken all along. You were only a child laughing. You were immature, and so you know it, it's the it's the death knell of the of the sixties. The the dreams are over. Okay, okay, you're digging the a Beatles. bit. You're digging a bit deep, right? Just. <laughs> I'll, I'll recite some lyrics, right? So uh, maybe you can guess what my take on on it was, right? So so Cross is going, it's got this like psych backing, slow meandering, beautiful is the word you're you're, you're, mm, you're looking for, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought <laughs> I met a man who said he knew a man who knew what was going on. Is one verse, yeah. Uh, I was mistaken, yada yada. Another verse. I thought I'd found a light to guide me through my my, my night and all this darkness. I yeah. was mistaken. I thought I'd seen I thought I'd seen someone who seemed at last to know the truth. Yada yada. I was mistaken. It was mm. only a child laughing in the sun. Now, <laughs> what I take that to mean is yeah. Cross is you know wandering around a park. Um, yeah, he's. He's, he's, he thought he'd found a truth, but no, all he'd seen was the truth and pure beauty and innocence of a child laughing in the sun. And and isn't that like... <laughs> all the spirituality you need. Yeah, isn't that all the spirituality you need? A little bit like, um, what's that film where he's like, There's a pl- I saw a plastic bag blowing in the breeze. It was the most oh, beautiful um, thing I ever saw. Um, American Beauty. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that corny... Uh, twist if you think it's a twist i think explains because i always heard it as that i always thought that there was an interesting tension between the lyrics which are saying uh you know spirituality is for fools you have to be really like credulous to believe these gurus but then the music itself sounds like a spiritual you know Mm. Mm. a, a spiritual track um but actually i didn't get that i didn't get that sort of credulous incredulous what do you say? I forget which one means which, but <laughs> I didn't. I, I didn't get that. I yeah. thought this was a man like who re- was really genuinely looking for spirituality. Maybe, I, maybe I'm I'm mistaken. Mm. Um, well, I think we all are. Yeah, uh, I'm assuming. I don't know, but I'm assuming that uh, that Cross was a prolific drug taker. Oh, uh, sure, yeah, period, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I mean, the album. He was a man called, of appetites. The album's called "If I Could Only Remember My Name." For <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the cover uh yeah i'm looking at it now yeah it's um, very funny isn't it it's uh it's it, it it's part it, it looks it looks like he's maybe wearing some kind of arabian headdress mm. um and he just has like he just has the sun reflecting sort of pasted over his his photograph and it, it looks like he's kind of crying tears of sunlight as they yeah. ripple yeah, on the yeah. ocean um because he had a uh, boat Ah, okay. That explains it. <laughs> explains everything. <laughs> yeah, he bought a boat. It, again, adorable is the word I'd reach for. I think that the thing about the child laughing in the sun is cringy. Mm. But I like that it's a very... Be- I think it's genuinely a beautiful piece of music. I love mm. everything about it musically. And I like that it's a song about being sceptical of gurus. Sure. I just like that. In the same way that I really like She's Leaving Home by the Beatles, because it's a song about a a young girl leaving home and hurting her parents. You know, it's like it feels against the grain of the time Mm -hmm. in a way that I find very satisfying. Um, Like all of ABBA's discography. Sure. ABBA fans love to to say this, yeah. (laughs) We're both ABBA fans, and I assume we've both loved to say it at some point. Anyway. I don't love to say it because I find it annoying when you, you're talking to somebody. You're talking to some muso, and you just want to you just want to say like, "Yeah, Dancing Queen's a really fun song. It's a really good song, isn't it?" And then they're like, "Yeah, but actually, you know, they were at each other's throats the whole time, and there's a real melancholy actually, just just lurking beneath the sort of the soft sheen of the production. There's this real sort of uh, yeah, this this real sadness." And you say, oh, "Fuck oh. off." If only you'd been born into a Radio 1 studio in... Uh, <laughs> in well, this is the closest I get. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about the ecstatic Joni Mitchell vocal line at the, near the end? Joni's on this. Joni's on it. Is she? Well, I'm going back. Yeah. I'm listening again. 
If Joan is on it, that changes. I knew everything. there was a way. I knew there was a way yeah. in for you. Yeah. Well, because so jo- Joni is an is an interesting thread through the Crossosphere mm. because Cross produced a song, "Song to a Seagull." Is that what it's yeah. called? First album, yeah, yeah, and uh, and really late in his career, like the last few years of his life, he recorded Amelia, Woodstock, uh, and for free, mm. um, and also there's just loads of like choice like artistic choices where you're like he loves Joni mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like the the band he had with his son called CPR uh they've got a sax player who sounds the, the way he's playing is just like Wayne Shorter on Joni Mitchell records mm-hmm. stuff like mm-hmm. that and just the sort of the, the sort of like the guitar playing you can just tell that he's like mad for Joni but yeah she so this is a star-studded track so you've got the Grateful Dead are oh, the backing band Oh. Kreutzmann, Lesh, Garcia, and then you you got Nash on guitar. You've got Joni Mitchell doing the. This is all that stuff. stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my because question that's is what be, did did Crosby record all the instruments himself? Because it sounds a bit shonky, <laughs> a bit ropey. Yeah. <laughs> no, but this is what's beautiful about it as an album is that it's it's like. The the music is is quite lonely and and reflective, mm-hmm. but it also has this kind of jam band quality where he's mm. getting like the first track is called "Music Is Love" and you can hear Neil Young going "Music Is Love," you know, in, in one speaker. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. I'm not sure how that's meant to convince me of anything. But do continue. <laughs> well, cause I'm saying it's like it's like um, a collective. Uh, 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 it's a, it's yeah. But in a way that CSNY, like CSNY, the harmonies are beautiful. You can't gainsay the harmonies, and they all had good songs. But I feel like Crosby going out, going solo, he actually did the Laurel Canyon supergroup thing, mm. but in a way that is really individual because his because his songs have this kind of like very quiet, vampy, like you know, introspective mm. quality to them. Mm-hmm. And all of that comes together for me in a, in a very satisfying way. Uh, can I just say one fact about laughing? Yes. It was written for George Harrison. Not for George Harrison to sing, but it was a, it was a message to George Harrison because mm. Harrison was obviously big into the Indian spirituality mm. and Crosby was like, hey, man. He probably called him man. Hey, man, take it easy. You've got to take it with a grain of salt. You know... Sometimes, George, when I'm in the park and I see a little child just jumping around in a puddle, yeah, and, and playing with my, a, and playing with a cup and ball, and I'm off my nuts on a speed, and I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that to me is God. So 1989, Crosby returns with a solo album. Haven't heard it. Could be a masterpiece, don't know. 1993, he does an album called Thousand Roads, which is horrible. It sounds like the soundtrack to all the worst films in the world. Um, it's got Phil Collins on it. Why, why are you talking about this now? These are the next videos on the list. We've got David Crosby and Hook to get through. <laughs> I forgot I'd left that on, why the, you in, on the playlist. Why are, you introducing, why are you introducing a bit in English? I want to watch David Crosby and Hook. Okay, let's watch David Crosby and This Hook. is part of the playlist. So, do you want to fill in for... This is part of the story. No, tell 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 us where this fits into the into the cross story. So, I guess I guess he's back. Yeah. He's had a tricky de- he's had a tricky decade, health problems and uh, scrapes. Is this him trying to get back? Scrapes. Is this like the album that you said with Phil Collins trying to get back in the limelight? Is this a is this a kind of This was 2 years a cash before. Grab? Is this a This is 2 oh, okay. years before. I think maybe he was just friends with Steven Spielberg. I don't know. But um, uh-huh. they, I, I don't know. Because he's not, a, um, you know, it's a very small role. Mm. Um, the, vid, the YouTube video, which we'll put in the show notes, is very short. Um, but rich, rich with characterization, I think. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, my stupid, sorry, parasitic sacks of entrails. <laughs> Revenge is mine. Hey! Long live the hook! Save us, Daddy! <laughs> Save me, Daddy! 
Okay. Okay, so without the visual context, let me just tell people that uh, yeah. David Crosby was the guy saying, Long live the hook! Yeah. Near the start. Um, what else? And then, he, and then he said... Save me, Daddy! Oh, he was the one going, say, <laughs> responding to the child, who was in a cage... Yeah, uh, hung above David Crosby, and then when and then the moan later on in the <laughs> clip is is David Crosby getting uh, smashed in the testicles by a plank, yeah, uh, by a wily child. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have to say, it doesn't. You know, he's he got very few lines, but he does a does a good performance for uh, as a kind of. No, I agree. I think he absolutely uh, smashes it. Yeah. I think he's a. I think he's a. He's a very good elevated extra in a, in a children's pirate movie, and that yeah, is yeah. not something that I thought I would say about David Crosby before you sent me that video. His ham-fisted exegesis in last month's Vanity Fair made me cringe. Um, okay, so 1991, big year for Cros. He plays Tinkles in Hook. <laughs> yeah. Um, for which he wins Best Actor at Cannes. Two years later, he puts out Thousand Roads, which is his attempt to do a sort of AOR, you know, soft, soapy pop rock album, and it's absolutely horrible. But it includes Yvette in English, which he co writes with Joni Mitchell. And I didn't realise he co-wrote the lyrics as well as the music. I assumed he'd written mm. some chords. Joni had then done her magic. But no, mm. he sent her, he faxed her like a draft of the lyrics. She then significantly improved them. I think what we should do is listen to Joni's version all the way through and then listen to a minute of Crosby's. Okay, okay. so if you're listening along at home, yeah. that's, that's, the, you know, that's Andrew's advice. Yeah. This book is continued on the next cassette. I mean, that is lovely. It's very nice, isn't it? One observation, David Crosby and Joni Mitchell can sound very similar vocally uh, when Mm. they want to. That is true. I hadn't noticed, but yeah. You know, Joni's got this kind of low register and and David's singing fairly high. Yeah, yeah. So they land somewhere in, in the same sort of ballpark. Very lovely. Yeah, well, I, I, I really enjoyed. Uh, obviously, the Joni, the rich Joni Mitchell arrangement is mm. is godly. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A slightly more stripped back David Crosby arrangement sounds lovely too. Um, I'm a fucking fan of this song. Yeah, it's well, I'd, I'd hell yeah, strongly recommend the whole Turbulent Indigo album. It is brilliant. Yes. Um, this is a whole new side of Cross. This is this is this is gentle m- musically. It goes on a it goes on this jazzy little journey. Yeah, um, I just I, I, and and yeah, it's it's a gentler, more thoughtful side of Cross. But there, and, but there and, is a lot of that on. If I could only remember my name. Okay. okay there well, is the the, sure. the 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 gentle the gentle Cape Man was was ever thus. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Fucking hell! Why did I? <laughs> I loved it. Ridiculous <laughs> sentence. I just think Joni and Steely at the height of their powers are, are just mm. are just basically as good as music can get, aren't they? Anyway, this isn't a Steely Dan podcast anymore. So let... no, no, but we can we can we can uh, link this back to Ooh. to Cros because I think that he his renaissance in the in the millenni- after the millennium where he suddenly becomes very, very prolific, recording lots of different albums. I think that his two guiding stars are Joni Mitchell and Steely Dan. Mm. Mm -hmm. Because there's two modes. One of them is the gentle, thoughtful stuff with jazzy chords and, you know, Joni Mitchell stuff and then swooping soprano saxophone and whatever. The other mode is sort of soft rock, funky grooves. um, A la Dan. I'm sure he was inspired by Steely Dan. Also, he says that they were his favourite band. Yeah, which I've, which I've seen. Um, yes, well, for me, like I said before, I think if I need, I think if I want to know the man and mm. and love the man, I need to work backwards because this is mm. this is this stuff is what's you know this is the juice tickling my um, tonalities. Yeah. Well, do you want to do you want to hear anything about the lyrics? The lyrics, yes. You had a comparison. You had a comparison. 
which, well, so I which think was going to paint Crosby in a really bad light. <laughs> yeah. So basically, Crosby, Crosby comes to Joni with some quite half-baked ideas and Joni absolutely smashes it. I think Yvette in English is like a, a, a nearly perfect Well, it sounds lyric. to me like a Joni lyric. It, it surprised me. Yeah. You know, it yeah. surprises me to, that you say it was, it was Crosby who started it. Not that I don't think he's a good lyricist. I don't know enough of his lyrics, but it has it has a lot of Joni's handwriting on it. Well, this is... And, and Joni Mitchell quite... is, is possibly the greatest lyricist of the 20th century, so... Apart from Dylan. But, yeah, so... Um, <laughs> Basically, Crosby, his his first draft, which is on JoniMitchell.com, is from his perspective about a enigmatic cat-like woman darting among the cafes of Paris or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's in Paris, actually, but you know what I mean? It's this sort of, like, shadowy, femme fatale figure or whatever. And he introduces, like, the nighttime scene, the magnetic woman, Picasso, the cigarette, the wind. It's all there in the in the Crosby draft. But then Joni Mitchell turns it into a third-person song. So now it's not Crosby singing about being, this mysterious woman. It being beguiled, yeah. It's now a short, it's a short story, isn't it, about two people meeting. Uh, one being this kind of, yeah, like very charismatic woman and the man seeming a little bit jaded, uh, you know, there's a kind of awkwardness about their encounter which is completely missing from uh, the Crosby one. And also, all of the good lines, pretty much, are like, uh, Burgundy nocturne tips and spills, they trot along nicely in the spreading stain. I would say it's pretty, pretty, uh, you know, knocked down. That's all Joni. There was nothing, mm. like, she, she just completely concocted that. And it's Joni who introduces the you say in English part, which obviously became Yvette in English. Yeah, yeah. So she introduces the key, the key kind of... Uh, Hook, yeah, lyrical hook. Oh, she also she also comes up with new chills, new thrills for the old uphill battle, which completely changes the whole slant of the song. It's not. It's no longer uh, another male wank mm. fantasy about charismatic mm-hmm. women. I mean, I'm being harsh. It's not. It's not pure wank fantasy, but I think there is a bit of the no. But it's the male gaze, of, isn't it? It, it? It's the male. It's the male gaze. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, all right. I want to. I want to wind back to Cross, right? Because one yeah. one thing I've noticed in in my research is that is that Cross starts to he starts to lean on maybe lean on isn't the right word, but he starts to work with collaborators a lot yeah. more uh, as time goes on. So I think he worked with you said he worked with his son in in CPR and in later solo albums as well. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. and I note that he had a kind of touring band that he did an album with yeah. later on, the Lighthouse Band. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just I just wonder if that's relevant he's he's a he's a very highly rated songwriter i just wonder why he uh he he started to you know is is it a relaxation of a of of an ego or is it a yeah i don't know i don't know because uh there's no there's no lighthouse band related drama (laughs) as in his whole public image (laughs) what are you laughing at (laughs) just 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 that there could there's no lighthouse um, I'm thinking of Lighthouse Family. There's no Lighthouse Band, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just yeah. it's just the, uh, there's no Lighthouse Band related drama, and there's so much Citizen Y drama. It's like, what is it about those those four people that? Yeah, just... yeah. Well, they were all testosterone crazed egotists. I think is the is the answer. So, in answer to what you were saying about um, collaboration, one thing that I find quite sweet about the Crosby story is that I think he finds his way out of the woods when he starts working with his son. Mm. So his son, he put up for adoption in the early 60s, uh, and his son never knew him growing up. And then somehow they met up again later in life and started and formed this band CPR with some other bloke. No way. And it's on that album that the, the jazzy Danisms start to come out, and it sounds like a, a sort of turning point... As in this album, Thousand Roads is whack. It's uh, it, it feels like there's no individuality. He's just trying to package yeah. himself as a sort of sellable act. And then it's like a few years later, he starts performing with his son and writing stuff with his son. That feels oh. like the beginning of then the Lighthouse Band. Isn't that and all the I mean, apart from really... him abandoning his, his son for, for decades. 
Well, it was the 60s, Ollie. You know, Joni, Joni Mitchell did it as well. Yeah, no, that is true. Yeah, they, they uh, you know, well, look, they found each other. That's, you know, that part of it is, is quite beautiful. And, you know, they've obviously yeah. got some, um, they've got musical compatibility. Uh, yeah. Did his son know that he was David Crosby's, did he know that he was David Crosby's son? I assume so. Yeah. It would have been super awkward if he'd found out, like, mid-bounce. <laughs> <laughs> So let's jump ahead to uh, this is your own ride, mm. which is a song uh, from uh, what's it? What's it from? It's not from for free. It's from the other one. Here, here if you listen. Here if you listen. So it's Michael Lee from Snarky Puppy, Becca Stevens and Michelle Willis, and apparently they all went into the studio with just two songs, and then in eight days they'd written an entire album, and you know whatever. Uh, this is a song that Cros wrote ten years previously for his other son Django. Mm, Django, yeah, Reinhardt. Um, and uh, uh, you've distracted me by saying Reinhardt. Reinhardt. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think it's because I thought you were going to say Unchained, and then you didn't. Oh, yeah. So he says on on the Soda Jerker podcast, he says that he was embarrassed by this song because he thought it was corny, um, being a kind of love song for his son. Hmm. But that in the fullness of time, they decided to include it on this uh, this Here If You Listen album. So should we uh, should we give it a go? Let's let's hear it. This book is continued on the other side of the cassette. Well, Suta, I have to say you you're a great playlister. You've uh, you've created here a veritable musical biography. Thank you, thank you. Especially because you said you weren't that familiar with Later Crosby, so you've clearly scoured his albums mm. at great temporal cost to yourself. <laughs> a great personal cost, yeah. Tem- te- temporal cost. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and you found a song in which he literally talks about his uh, attitude to death. Well, this was the one song that I really, really liked off the Later albums anyway. Mm. So it was kind of a it was kind of a shoe in this one, but it did serve my purposes. But should, should we should we read the 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 stanza in question? Uh, so the whole song is as you say a, yeah. a, a, an ode to his son, and he's kind of saying he's kind of passing on wisdom, isn't he? I think he's saying yeah. you know this is your own ride. This is you know, but and you're going to have ups and downs. But I'm I'm passing on a little bit. I'm clearing the path for you. He says I think yeah. at one point. And it's actually really quite beautiful musically mm. and 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 as a sentiment, but but the the the, the choking verse is is mm, uh, mm. is thus, because I've been thinking about dying, and how to do it well, how to stand up and face it, or just lie where I fell. It's a matter of honour, having stood up to might, to spend my last hour, clearing a path for your own ride. Yeah. It's very, very touching, isn't it? It's very touching, um, and it's yeah, and it's and it's and it's vulnerable, and it's and it's thoughtful, and it's lovely. One one thing I do think that's interesting, which is a thread. There's a point in in every podcast where we where we just get to kind of beard stroking academic speak, and and I think we've hit <laughs> it right. But yeah, but it, it, it's the thread that runs through it is that he's still like. Like Crosby is famous for his masculine energy, right? Mm. He's famous as this virile sort of man bull creature. Yeah, and we've seen a bit of that in the early stuff. We've seen a bit of it as we go through, but it, it's even here a little bit. He's still the same Cros. He's talk. He's talking about death in the same way you might talk about um, having going and having a fight in the schoolyard. And not chickening out. Do you know what I mean? Like he, it's it's about standing yeah. up to might and a matter of honor, and it's all these yes. kind of it's all these kind of classic testosterone tropes with which he's facing yes. death. And I don't mean, I, I don't mean, mean that in a I don't mean that in a in a negative way. It's not a criticism. Um, well, it is interesting, isn't it? Because it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like he's haunted by death. No, like when that line comes in, I think it is a really beautiful moment in the song because there's a kind of shift in musically there's a shift and then he just says in a quite yeah sort of frail way i've been thinking about dying and how to do it well but you don't get the feeling of somebody staying up late you know staring down the barrel of death it's more like um a sort of rocking chair you yeah know, and it sounds like he's framed of. it in ways that he understands but but yeah like you say it's it's a it's a very nice moment 
heartily recommend that you listen to this song, listeners. Not yeah, that you needed my fucking recommendation of all people, but uh, musically, like it's very, it's a very, it's an ensemble song vocally. Like everyone's, there's a lot of harmonies. Everyone's kind of singing, yeah, in unison and or harmony throughout. And then it, everyone drops out for that for that verse, and I think for most of the rest of the song, if not the rest of the song. Yeah, um, they come back in on the chorus, don't yeah, they? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's uh, it's a moment. That's for sure. It's a moment. And it gives us um, a glimpse into uh, yeah into into Crosby's views on mortality, which is uh, which is nice. I I admire the man for it. Yeah, well, this is it. Is uh, uh, this is something I've been thinking in my um, Cros frenzy, my Crosby, is that he's clearly he clearly was a bit of a dick, like mm. not wanting to speak ill of the recently deceased, but like it seems fairly on record. That even in later life he could be very, very cantankerous and arrogant, and yeah. you know, like even on Twitter, like there's that um, there's some amazing <laughs> moments where people would tweet him. Somebody tweeted him like a picture that they'd drawn of him, <laughs> and said, "I've drawn a portrait of you," and he said, um, "Don't quit the day job." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just think like, hey, wow, hey, Andrew, you yeah. wouldn't want to uh, you wouldn't want to cross swords with him, would you? Uh... You old wordsmith. <laughs> um, what I mean is, he doesn't come across as an as an asshole in his music at all. I can't think of any. There's some. There's some slightly leathery sex stuff in the in the early days, but <laughs> especially yeah, sure. <laughs> but in the in the later the later period, I think he comes across as a really sweet, I reflective, you know, introspective guy who is musically adventurous. He surrounds himself with good, great musicians. He's pushing himself not to repeat, you know, mm-hmm. his, his glory days. What a, you know, what a great guy. So I think, I think you're probably, I think he probably was an arsehole. Right. Mm. And, but the thing is, you know, I've loved in my life, many arseholes, as I'm sure Crosby has as well. Mm. Nudge, nudge. Um, but like, <laughs> Jesus, was that an, an analingus joke? <laughs> Not necessarily. Anyway, <laughs> right. the uh, <laughs> so thrown. <laughs> the fact is, like, assholes can be lovable, and 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 yeah. Crosby was an asshole, but he was he was a lovely, lovable asshole, and, and many people loved him. You know, and there's plenty to admire about the man. Yeah. Not Graham Nash, though. <laughs> I mean, I think I think there is there is documentary evidence of him just being really rude and and arrogant and whatever. Uh, but I, I I think he's he grew into a role where he was kind of mischievous and yeah. t- and uh, impish, like his hook character. Like exactly. I don't want to um, over egg the the pudding that you, you've uh, you've whipped up here, but. Mm. Like I do, like I, I genuinely feel like I've, I've gone through a, an, a, a learning. I mm. wouldn't say an about turn. It's not like I came in here, disliking the man and of, and of, mm. you know. But but in in listening and speaking, I, I do feel like I've got to know the yeah, many sides of cross. The many sides of cross. Well, unfortunately, the playlist now <laughs> really falls apart because I've taken you on this kind of curated journey through the. The facets of, of of the man, you know, his his storied career, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And now there's just a song from his final album, and the only reason I put it on there is because Donald Fagan wrote the lyrics. <laughs> well, look, this will be a nice palate cleanser. It'll be, it'll be yeah. a little a little after dinner mint. Um, yeah, you can't you can't end on a sad note, can you? Got to bring the energy back up at the end of the playlist. But anyway, this is called Rodriguez for a night, and this is a co-write. I know this one. This is a co-write between uh, Fagan wrote the lyrics and. Uh, Optimus Cross wrote the uh, the music. (laughs) This book is continued on the last cassette. David Crosby does a very good impression of Morph the Cat era Donald Fagan. Really? That's my. I I was going to ask about this. Yeah, that's that's like that's solo. That's late solo Fags all over. Mm. Um, What do you think of it? Especially the lyrics. I think it's good. It's nice. I mean, my, my opinion of it is it's basically the same as my opinion of of late solo fakes, which is it's nice, right? It doesn't get me like all hot under the bre- britches, you know. But it's mm. it's uh, it's 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 
great, funky, groovy, pleasant, good. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I just like the fact that it's got a memorable tune because one thing that you find when you listen to six David Crosby <laughs> studio albums in <laughs> like 36 hours is that um, there's a lot there's a lot going for these albums. I would mm-hmm. recommend people to, to go on the same journey, but there's not many memorable tunes. In terms of you melody, just think it's just not you're not saying it, memorable songs. You mean memorable melod- melodic hooks? Yeah, there's no, there's there's very few. I, I don't know. I just feel like the, the, the entire albums, like the Lighthouse, is a really good album. I can't remember. I couldn't hum you a single melody off it. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and for free, the fi- his his final studio album, this one and a tune called River Rise, which is sung by Michael McDonald, they are permanent earworms for me mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so i just like that you know it's i feel like he he went out on a on a sort of pop record of a sort well it bodes well for your relationship with with future dan not to bring everything around to steely dan but that it's kind of impossible not to with this song. yeah yeah, but, yeah. You know, this is this could sit nicely on everything must go or two against nature you know maybe right okay maybe yeah, not yeah. true dan home is uh, is early noughties Dan? Apple, well, that Mac, Apple Mac Dan, as I like to call it, iMac Dan. Well, well like the computer. Yeah. <laughs> how how so? It's uh, it's very hard to explain. It's it's a it's a clash of so many cultural threads at one point, which all came together in the early noughties with those colourful Macs <laughs> with the trans translucent um, backs. Okay. Well, it's, it's iMac Dan. <laughs> It's so completely iMac, Dan. Okay, okay. Well, maybe, so for you, it sounds like if you make time to let Cross into your heart. I think I will, yeah. It's going to be, you're going to work backwards. You're going to, I I reckon, you're going to listen to Here If You Listen, and then you're going to listen to some of the surrounding late solo albums, and then you might, you you might, you know. I might start with, um, if only I could remember my name, uh, just just to get a good... Just to get a foundation. No, I don't think you're going to like it. Mm. I think what's going to happen is, you know how the front cover is his face superimposed on an ocean? Mm. I reckon if you if you listen <laughs> to, if I could only remember my name, you're yeah. basically going to see my big face <laughs> floating across the room, sort of imp- looking at you imploringly like... <laughs> on a dirty brook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like my opinion of it is going to ruin it for you. Yeah, that is a risk. That is a risk, yeah. as we found with um, the whole the whole premise of Countdown to Exegesis. Yeah, as as a steely done journey. But um, I think you will like you will like late late cross. I think you will enjoy. I think I already do from mm. what you've from what you've played me. Um, I I'm I'm enjoying it immensely. Yeah. Probably better than anything you've played me in the course of this podcast. Um, Wow. So, uh, so I, 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 I do. I definitely look forward to exploring it and Turbulent Indigo by Joni Mitchell. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, oh, I, could, I, I would say to to listeners, if you don't know the late era Crosby stuff, uh, I would recommend Sky Trails, Lighthouse, and Here If You Listen. Well, good, good advice. I hope you've enjoyed following us on this uh, on this biographical journey listeners and last words thank you cross thank, thank you, you for man. the music thank you for the stories thank mm. you thank you for yeah just you know may god rest your massive soul yeah i'd like to finish by just saying i texted my friend glad and said david crosby is dead and he replied may his cape flap all across the heavens you can always trust vlad to uh, to bring the tears <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice one, everyone. Um, see you soon. Ish mm. for uh, for we do need to address this season four. It's of happening. Countdown to exegesis. Um, we haven't. Yeah. Uh, we haven't given up on the podcast. Um, we just needed a very long break after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After Pretzel Logic, but uh, but yeah, we'll be we'll be back on the Katie Live train um, at some point in 2023.